Hello, welcome to Movie Culture. Today we are talking about A Bug's Life. A Bug's Life was released in 1998 and is Pixar's second feature film. The movie was directed by John Laster and co directed by Andrew Stanton. The movie follows Flick, an ant trying to save his colony from oppressive grasshoppers. Every season, Flick's colony needs to produce enough food for themselves and the marauding gang of grasshoppers. When Flick accidentally destroys the food the ants have collected, the grasshoppers issue an ultimatum, twice the food by the end of fall or else. Sent away by the colony, Flick seeks help, searching for warriors to protect them. The warriors he finds, however, are bugs in a flea circus who agree to help under the misguided assumption that Flick is hiring them to perform. When they later realize the misunderstanding, The bugs try to leave, but Flick convinces them to stay and forms a new plan to scare off the grasshoppers by building a fake bird. The grasshoppers return and are only temporarily thwarted by Flick's plans. When it seems that the ants are all out of options, Flick declares that it really should be the grasshoppers who are afraid of the ants because the ants outnumber and provide for the grasshoppers. The ants realize the power in unity and band together to fight off the grasshoppers for good. We just watched A Bug's Life, Pixar's second movie from 1998. Yes. Yes, the second movie they did after Toy Story. And you also watched Ants in preparation. I did. I watched all of Ants. Okay. Which so, is commitment. Yeah, real commitment. Um, so this is the internet's foremost podcast about mid-aughts animated Bugs movies. You could consider me the expert on 1998 movies about ants. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but we're talking about A Bug's Life. Uh, we just watched it. What did you think about it? I liked it, but I wanted to talk about ants. (laughs) Listener, I don't know what to tell you. It seems like we're going to start this podcast just talking about the movie Ants. (laughs) Not the movie Ants. The whole saga of the production of Ants. Okay. Josh, it's so dramatic. If it wasn't evident, A Bug's Life and Ants are both movies about an ant colony that came out within a month of each other. Let me introduce you to a man named Jeffrey Katzenberg. He worked at Disney right around the time that they were starting to collaborate with Pixar and was basically the person at Disney who was championing Pixar. So he and Pixar had a really good relationship from the start, and he worked a lot on the original drafts of Toy Story. Disney fired him. It was on very bad terms. He was like legit enemies with Eisenberg at Disney, and they were just straight up feuding. Of course, Pixar, the guys at Pixar, mostly John Lasseter, was still friends with Katzenberg, and Lasseter was like, oh, this will be fine. We can still be friends. This isn't going to get in the way of anything. And did it? It did. What? (laughs) So when Katzenberg left Disney, he started up DreamWorks. Right around the time that Toy Story was ending, Lasseter went to go visit his good old friend Katzenberg and was like, hey, Katz, I'm so excited about this new movie we're making. 
it's about bugs. It's actually about this anthill and this one individualist ant who's hashtag not like the other ants. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited. And then, of course, two months later, finds out that all of a sudden, DreamWorks is also making a movie about an individualist ant. But like a cool, edgy, grown-up ant. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Does it seem like there's a widespread agreement that the idea originated at Pixar and was stolen by DreamWorks? Yes, it's a really he said, he said kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Of course, John Lasseter says that this conversation happened. And of course, Katzenberg denies that it ever happened and is just like, whoops, what a crazy coincidence. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, something was in the air, I guess. Right. The thing is that DreamWorks, after announcing it, said that their movie was going to come out two months before A Bug's Life. So it started this whole race for who could come out with a movie faster. Okay. DreamWorks won that race. They came out with it a month before in the end. But Pixar did a lot better at the box office. So it doesn't seem like they were that negatively affected. People really liked it. So that's part of what's so interesting to me is that a lot of people went to see both movies, and the main takeaway seemed to be that Ants was for adults and Bugs Life was for kids. But the reason that I bring up Ants is, first of all, because the scandal is fun. <laughs> and second of all, because I think that contrasting it, contrasting Bugs Life with Ants brings out a lot of what works about Bugs Life and even what kind of doesn't work. It's very clear watching Ants that it was made by someone who wanted to be edgy and liked the meanness dynamic between characters. There's a lot of snarky, cutting jokes. And even the relationship between main Aunt Z and the princess, they're just mean to each other for a lot of it. Mm -hmm. So I... It is darker in some ways, although I do think there's a lot of dark parts to Bug's life. But in Ants, there's a whole massacre scene and everyone dies, so that's darker. I, I see Yikes. what people are saying about maybe that's a little too much for kids. Sometimes when we talk about what makes a kid's movie, we're talking about the themes and if kids can relate to those themes, but also sometimes we're talking about if it is something that we want to influence kids. Right. And it from what you're saying, it sounds like Ants was not a kid's movie because it was not a movie that you wanted to take your kids to. Yeah, for the most part, I, I think that's true. I think it's interesting to make the distinction that Ants is more for adults than Bug's Life was. I don't necessarily think that that is true. I think that, I think that maybe it's just less for kids, but it's not more for adults. That it's, makes sense. It's a colder movie in a lot of ways. It's a colder mm -hmm. movie visually. Mm -hmm. Everything is kind of brown looking, whereas A Bug's Life is blue and purple and pink and green and colorful. And A Bug's Life has a lot more hopefulness to it. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> one of my, my, my favorite part about A Bug's Life is Flick, the main character, the main aunt. And from, from the beginning, he's so likable. And we talk a lot about what makes a character likable or unlikable. Mm -hmm. And I think that watching it compared to Ants 
really highlighted that for me. When a bug's life starts, Flick wants to be an inventor. He wants to help his colony. Mm -hmm. That's his dream. When Ant starts, the main Ant, Z, does not want to be part of his colony. His dream is to escape his colony. And so I think that there's such a big difference between a character who actively wants something as their primary motivation versus a character who whose primary motivation is not wanting something. Mm, yeah. A character who likes something versus a character who dislikes something. Yeah, it's a positive versus a negative, uh, just shaped movie. Yeah. And Flick, from the beginning, he destroys his colony's food source, so he needs to figure out a way to help. On accident. On accident. And his primary belief is that he can help them by finding other bugs who will help the colony. He really believes that other people will help them. Yeah. He believes in a good world. Yeah. And that kind of, that just is so much warmer. It's a world that you want to live in. That's a great point that part of, part of going to the movies is committing to spending time in a world. And we've talked about this offline about how in pieces of media where people do nice things and believe in each other, uh, you're willing to overlook more things because you're happier just being in that world. It's a more fun place to, to hang out. And A Bug's Life, aside from any thematic ideas, is just a fun place to hang out for a few hours. That's really true. Um, I really liked it. First, I really like how creative Pixar is. Mm -hmm. it, I'm hesitant to bring this up because it feels like yeah, of course they're creative. They're a movie studio. But where in so many other movies you see these like bits of creativity off on the sides, the entire world of the show exists because of some really odd ideas. Mm -hmm. The whole movie doesn't work unless we have this cultural idea of what a flea circus is. <laughs> the whole movie doesn't work. That's the whole thing. And then there are so many other bits and pieces and Pixar plays a lot with size. They do that in Toy Story also, but you know, the bugs drinking drops of water, you know, and, and using mosquitoes as darts. And there are so many little fun world building things and the humor that the characters have when the characters make jokes, they're all within that world, right? They're, they're referencing things in their world, not in ours. And they Pixar builds the world well enough that we get the joke, even though, you know, it doesn't really, it, it shouldn't make sense to us. There's no reason. I yeah. totally agree with you. That really stood out to me. The fact that they bring in elements of human life and mm -hmm. translate it into the bug's life. Yeah. I mean, there's a scene where Flick is going to the big city and there's all these little beetle bugs running around as if they're cars. And there's the big skyscrapers that are actually takeout containers. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. And because it keeps you in the bugs world rather than bringing the bugs into the human world, which mm -hmm. I don't want this whole podcast to be talking about how ants is worse. 
but in ants they go to a human picnic and they're kind of just walking around in there mm-hmm. and there's this feeling where it really takes you out of the movie you're no longer relating with the bug you're relating mm-hmm. with the humans yeah and i think we talked about this in toy story but pixar never wants to give you a moment to check out or to stop believing yeah. in their characters and their world so speaking of the characters, that's actually the other thing I really liked about A Bug's Life and actually thought they did even better than in Toy Story. And that's the number of characters that have fully fleshed out arcs and that you feel the emotional weight of their decisions and their growth over the course of the movie. I counted four specific characters or, or groups with real arcs. Um, the first being Flick, and I'm sure we'll talk about him more but also Princess Ada's arc about gaining leadership and what it means to go from someone who has responsibility that they don't feel ready for to being ready for that responsibility. Uh, Dot, the, the youngest ants, her arc about being incapable and unpowerful and her wings haven't even come in. She can't do anything. She can't affect change to being a savior in the movie and, 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 you know, affecting a great deal of change. Um, and also for the circus bugs to gain courage and to say, instead of, you know, we're failures, we haven't done this. Of course we can't be warriors to gaining that bravery and a real sense of both self and community. Um, and I thought the way that Pixar really, built out these really strong arcs for all these secondary characters. I really enjoyed that. Can we talk about Flick a little bit? I think that there is a theme for Flick, you know, what his arc as the protagonist is. And then I think there is a broader point that the movie is trying to make uh, in sort of a socio-political way. For Flick, I think it's all about the nature of progress and uh, believing in yourself and pushing for progress, even when people tell you that it can't be done. You know, he wants to be an inventor. And at the beginning of the movie, there's all this stuff about like the old ways and Flick is the new way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if a character says kids today, but, you know, it's dripping in everything every other ant is saying. So to me, that was Flick's theme is all about uh, the march towards progress and how if you believe and work at it, and and take people onto your side and help people come onto your side and show them how progress can help them that you can be successful. And I really uh, I really enjoyed that theme. What did you think about Flick? Hi, so like I said, I really liked Flick's character. I didn't feel like he really had an arc. So I I'm really interested to hear you say that. Flick from the beginning believes in himself when nobody else does. He is an inventor. He believes that his inventions can save the colony. He goes off because he believes that he can find a way to help the colony, even though nobody else does. Mm -hmm. There is a low point two-thirds of the way through the movie where he stops believing in himself, but it's only about five minutes, and Dot comes to him and gives him the same motivational speech that he gives her in the beginning. Yeah. Essentially, 
He's just hearing his own beliefs repeated back to him. And then in the end, he's successful. He proves himself right. And in the end, he still believes in himself. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think Flick necessarily changes. I still think that is the theme. His theme in the movie um, is about, you know, the constant push, even in the face of difficulty. But I don't necessarily think there is a character growth as we would generally consider it in the arc. I will also say, if you put yourself in the in the shoes of the main character and are not especially introspective, I think it gets very easy to say our main character is perfect and doesn't need to gain anything. Uh, and you lose some teachable moments there. I think it makes up for it by having all these other characters with uh, arcs. I was thinking a lot about theme, of course, when yeah. we were watching it. When I think about theme, I'm looking mostly for the things in the movie that change, because I think that those change moments communicate a meaning best. Mm -hmm. And that can be really any change, but primarily I'm looking at the main character's change, the secondary character's change, the circumstances of the story world, and the belief system of the story world. I think that a movie will communicate a message strongest if all four mm -hmm. are not saying the same thing, but building off of each other. I don't think that A Bug's Life did that. And I also don't think that they used each branch. Mm -hmm. I, I, we talked about Flick not really changing. Yeah. Secondary characters probably I think was the strongest like you brought up and I think that their change communicated so well this message of believing in yourself mm -hmm. you can be anything you want to be if you just believe in yourself yeah would you agree I think that's the common theme through uh through those secondary characters yeah and then and the circumstances of the story world do change the ants go from being oppressed by the grasshoppers and in the end of the movie they are free from the grasshoppers and i think that that is a really interesting aspect of the movie yeah i mean we're gonna get there <laughs> okay okay and then the belief system of the story world changes in some ways mm -hmm. the ants obviously go from not believing in flick to believing in flick maybe mm -hmm. they appreciate that Flick helped save them, but they don't give any indication that they're now itching for his new inventions. I don't know. At the end of the movie, they're using his his first invention, you know, his grain turbine, essentially, to collect collect food. But they they don't necessarily show that they have a new thirst for knowledge and progress as much as an acceptance of established technologies. Right. I think that the movie was saying something about believing in yourself. I think that it was saying something with the grasshoppers about being stronger than your oppressors. That, I think, was the most interesting part of the movie. Mm -hmm. I wish that we saw more of that. 
so much of the runtime of this movie was used with puns mm-hmm. about bugs, <laughs> and which are great. They were really fun, um, and this whole plot line of the circus bugs misunderstanding Flick. He's going to get them so that they can help defeat the grasshoppers, but they think that he's hiring them to be part of a circus for the ants.、Mm-hmm. So, so much of the movie revolves around this, these jokes, these double entendres about circus life and violence,、mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's fun, but that I don't necessarily think says much about the other. Things that the movie's trying to say. Yeah, for sure. I think also that there's a lot of montage in this movie. At least it felt that way to me. Maybe I just wasn't vibing with the montage, so it felt very long. There's montages of them doing different circus acts. There's a montage, a very long montage of them building the bird, the mechanical bird, which they eventually use to defeat the grasshoppers. Yeah. Even though I really. Liked the movie overall, and even though I really liked the side characters, it felt like there wasn't enough time to get to know them.、Mm-hmm. It seemed like the movie was kind of missing depth in the form of conversations, in the form of really understanding at a deeper level what the circus bugs wanted.、Mm-hmm. The movie goes really quickly. And、uh, it does feel like only a few things actually happen. It's real like Flick ruins the food. He goes to get the circus bugs. They come back. They build a machine. They fight off the grasshoppers. End of the movie. Right. Things don't happen quite as simply as you want them to, but like everything is solved pretty easily. Yeah, and with the circus bugs, it's. I get that they're circus bugs and they want to be famous, but I felt like for too much of the movie that was their main motivation.、Mm-hmm. At the turning point in the middle of the movie, they are about to leave and abandon Flick, but they decide to stay and help. And the reason that they initially decide to stay is because the little kid bugs run up to them and ask for their autograph. Yeah. And they are famous for the first time in their lives. Yeah, and they love that, and they want to stay in a place where they can be famous. And I get that it's part of the circus thing, but it didn't endear me to them. That's interesting. It just felt very surface level, and even though later in the movie they do decide to stay because they like the ants, they have they've built genuine connections. I think that we didn't really see those connections. I think that the movie、mm-hmm. showed us really quick little clips of connections happening. Yeah, but it kind of just told us that there were these connections rather than showing us why these bugs were connecting with the ants and what they were learning and getting from that relationship. Yeah, I really liked the montage of the bird being built because. That is a very potentially plot-heavy thing. That's nice to see happen quickly, but I agree that there's also a lot of character development that happens in those montages. And when that happens, it just means that the character development isn't 
really earned. You don't feel it as much as you would if it had happened over the course of the regular movie. And I'll acknowledge my own bias that I prefer to see conversations and dialogue. Yeah. And Pixar in general, and I think A Bug's Life especially, is a very visual movie. So I appreciate that they were doing a lot visually. I just felt like it wasn't necessarily enough. I think that's totally interesting. Totally, yeah. I think that's totally fair. Okay, can we talk about the grasshoppers? Yeah, let's talk about them. All right, what did you think that that was all about? Okay, I saw the grasshoppers and the relationship between the ants and the grasshoppers as being the core theme of the movie. If I had to summarize this theme in one sentence, it would be uh, America was built on the back of the labor movement, right? Yeah. This is a socialist movie. Mm. The definition of socialism is that workers should control the means of production and profit from the production of their labor. And what this movie is saying is that the ants are the laborers and they deserve the profits from their labor, but instead, management is taking all the profits. That's the whole movie. The laborers aren't able to get what is owed to them, and the grasshoppers know it. They say, if the ants realized that they outnumber us 100 to 1, they could overpower us, and we have to keep power over the laborers in order to maintain our profits. Also, the grasshoppers don't need that food to live. It's not just that they didn't earn it, but they say, we have enough food. It's not about taking their food. We don't need their food. We want it for the power. To me, that's what the whole movie is about, is is the clearest allegory for socialism, really, that I can think of in film. Yeah, Flick says something almost exactly along the lines of, we are strong because we managed to pick food both for you and for us. Ants are stronger than grasshoppers. You need us. Yeah. I, I'm going to talk about ants again. Ants has a, a similar thing to say. It's much darker. When the movie opens, it's about how the head ants are controlling the worker ants. Mm -hmm. And the worker ants don't get any profits from their labor. At one point, they start a labor union and start striking. It had so much to say about labor specifically. The problem where I think ants goes really wrong is that the message at the end of the movie becomes about this main ant telling the other ants that they don't need to be a worker ant, that they shouldn't be part of this oppressive system. And if they just wake up and stop being part of this oppressive system, then everything will be fixed. It's Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Exactly. It's so much about if you are in this position, it is your fault mm -hmm. because you can't figure out how to get out of it. And it's nothing. To, it has nothing to say about the system. Mm -hmm. It was also interesting, though, watching it right after ants because the oppressive system in ants is the ant colony itself. Mm -hmm. It is their society and their culture. With Bug's Life, the oppressive system is a totally different species. It's an outsider coming in mm -hmm. and oppressing them. So I agree. I think it is a lot about labor. 
I think that's probably much more the intention, but but because they are an outside force, it also felt like imperialism in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. It, it felt like an outside society going into another, taking resources, mm-hmm. using their labor, oppressing them. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was a really interesting layer to it. I mean, right at the beginning of the movie, uh, I wrote down power and powerlessness because the whole thing is a meditation on who has power and what do they do with that power. That's sort of a common theme between the labor movement and imperialism is, you know, it's about power. So it could be uh, put onto all groups where there are these power dynamics. Yeah, and I really liked that. My main criticism of the movie was that I wished that they did more of that, that they Mm -hmm. just went a little deeper. So what does Flick's arc look like if he is a labor activist? I'm not sure. I know, I I think for one thing, that there's a lot more conversation earlier on with the ants. Mm Mm-hmm of feeling like this system is not okay rather than this is just the way it is. This mm-hmm. is the way things are. Because that is already there. They're unhappy, clearly. They're afraid. Mm-hmm. But I wish there was a more of kind of this rumbling amongst the ants. Yeah. Rather than it just being Flick. Yeah. Like he's the only ant that sees that something's wrong. He's the only one that is able to stand up to the grasshoppers. The only one who understands the systemic issue. Right. And I think that that is still playing into that individualist Mm -hmm. idea where it's all about this one person. Yeah, so much of these labor struggles are about we all need to do this together. And you see that, I think, really clearly at the end of the movie when the ants literally link arms. Mm -hmm. But you still have uh, Flick being the first ant to to act and the one to take the risk and hope that other people will, the other ants will follow him. And they do. But if his arc was about bringing people together and making them all stand up in unison, Maybe, maybe that aligns them a little closer. They also don't end up standing up because they want their rights. They end up standing up because they realize that the grasshopper, his plan is to kill the queen afterwards. Before they learn that, they're essentially willing to go along and keep this system. It's only when they realize that even if they cooperate, he will kill the queen. It's only when they recognize that the economic violence that he has perpetrated crosses the line into physical violence. Mm, mm-hmm. Say more. It is a, a version of violence when people are forced into labor and they lose the autonomy over their own lives and what they can do. The ants are forced into a system where they have to get all the grain for the grasshoppers, and then they have to get all the grain for themselves. They have to do twice as much work uh, just to survive, and they don't get any other time 
to, for example, innovate uh, because they're constantly stuck in this perpetual cycle. And that is in itself a version of violence, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the grasshoppers are holding the ants under duress. They are coercing the ants to do what they want done because they have physical power. And even though they don't use that power, they don't use that physical advantage that they have over the ants, the threat of it Mm -hmm. is what makes the ants continue to exist in this harmful cycle. Right. So it's clear that they could commit violence, but they will not if their terms are upheld. Exactly. And, And that living under constant threat of violence is still violence. Do you think that the movie communicates this well? You know, like so many things that are in politics and in art, if you don't want to see it, you won't have to see it. Kids won't see the labor struggle in this movie. But I think if you are attuned to the rights of working people, I don't know how much clearer it can get. I think that's one of the reasons I like talking about this stuff uh, and I like talking about it with you is because, you know, it's so easy to say this kid's movie about bugs is not about real things. Mm-hmm. But I think because it it brings you in so softly, it's just about bugs. It's just cartoons. I think it can give you a much more clear argument about labor than if it was a non-animated movie. Because I think I think if this was a movie with humans, a live action movie, it would feel like it is beating you over the head. Yes. And it's that idea of abstracting these themes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's easy for kids to see this and say, we should all work together. I don't think they need to say it is a, you know, proletariat uprising. <laughs> But I mean, it's similar. Yeah, you you say that kids might not have this takeaway, but they do subconsciously. Yeah. It's the reason why I think we both feel strongly that these movies matter, that we can't dismiss them because these messages that they are sharing really will affect the way that kids interact with the world. That is such a great point, that even if the kids don't have the language to say this is about the labor movement or this is about imperialism, um, they still understand that if you make something, it should belong to you. That is what the message is, I think, in its most simplified form. Mm -hmm. And that is still a really important message for kids to have about the autonomy and worth of their creations. Yeah, and I think... These messages aren't just limited to kids. They're affecting how adults interact with the world, too. Oh, totally. But there's so much responsibility that kids' media has and that Pixar specifically has because they are, I would say, the giant of kids' movies and kids' movies that people expect quality from specifically. Certainly now the Pixar-Disney conglomerate. Yes, Yes. There's a lot of responsibility for them to be aware of what they are communicating. Mm -hmm. 
This kind of brings me into one criticism that I really had where I did not like something that the movie was communicating. Yeah. I really didn't like how they handled the ladybug character. Yeah, I I was wondering if we would talk about that. Yeah, so just for context, there's this whole running joke. It's basically all of this character's identity and being every time he's on mm-hmm. screen. But there is a male ladybug that everyone sees and reads as female. Yeah. And he really hates that. We meet him at the flea circus with flies who are catcalling him. Yeah. And he goes and says, you know, not like it's wrong to catcall or or don't do this, but he says, I'm not a woman. How dare you assume that I'm female? And after that, the flies become violent towards the ladybug because they thought that this bug was female and he was male. It's one thing for this to be in the movie, but what it I think it does really wrong is that it never really seems to point out or it never believes that it's wrong for this violence to happen. Mm-hmm. It kind of assumes that the violence will happen. Yeah. And because the ladybug character has his masculinity questioned, he feels that he needs to perform violence. That's literally what happens when these flies are starting to get violent towards him, he stands up on the table, he grabs a big stick, and he talks about how he's the biggest warrior around. Yeah. It's just the most straightforward way of performing violence and performing masculinity. Yeah. There's also another point in the movie where the ladybug is taking care of a bunch of the little kid ants. And someone comes in and says, oh, what a good mother this ladybug gets so threatened by that that he pushes like physically pushes these ants off of him that's that's pretty terrible to see in this movie Mm -hmm. i know that we have come a long way in these conversations in the past 20 years but i was still struck seeing that and then at the end of the movie one of the other bugs says that what the ladybug got out of being with the ants is that he was able to get in touch with his feminine side, Mm -hmm. meaning that his feminine side is caretaking for the children. Mm -hmm. And this is something that Pixar plays totally straight. It's clear that the filmmakers completely believe that this is what the feminine side means. Yeah. And I'm sure that through this whole series, we will talk a lot about Pixar's treatment of girls, especially knowing what we know now about John Lasseter. I was wondering if you wanted to touch on that for a moment. Maybe it's enough to just say that we're assuming if you're listening to this, you know that John Lasseter was fired for sexual harassment. John Lasseter was the CEO of Pixar for the first 20 years Pixar was around. His actions certainly influenced a lot of the culture in the building. Yeah, We, We are obviously outsiders, so we don't know that many details about it but certainly he had attitudes and as the creative director of the first bunch of pixar movies his individual biases certainly show up on the final product yeah and it can be especially frustrating given everything that we said about how much pixar has influenced a generation 
how much responsibility they have, and how much kids really internalize these messages. The movie does not address that thoughtfully. And so, yeah, we just point that out when it happens because these things matter. Yeah, silence is uh, is accepting the status quo. And it's not just about saying something so that we can say, oh, well, we're against this. Mm-hmm. But everyone has blind spots. That's just a part of being human and living in one single experience. So I think that it's helpful to say things so that people can be more aware of other perspectives about harmful messages that might creep their way into the work. Mm -hmm. Of course, I do not think that these creators were like, we want to say these negative things. Yeah, these harmful things. Right. I think that they had a lot of good intentions and that comes through with what they're saying about labor. But personal biases will, of course, come out in art. And it's important to say something so hopefully people can do better. Yeah, I'm, I am really interested in that in the coming movies because we're still dealing with movies that were created in the late 90s, early 2000s in a different moment, you know, in a different political moment, in a different societal moment. You know, there were lots of things that we now consider so inherent in our culture that were not being discussed at that time. Yeah, I mean, even the idea that gender is a binary and it's a constructed binary Mm -hmm. was not something that was as mainstream as it is now. I don't know that it's mainstream now. I think we have increasing understanding of it societally. Yeah. I am interested to see, for example, in the next movie we watch, which will be Toy Story 2, which as I remember it, is mostly about girl Woody. Mm -hmm. I suspect we'll have quite a lot to talk about the gender dynamics in that movie and what it means to have uh, really the first major character in Pixar movies who is female. I am a little bit apprehensive, but I'm really excited to watch it. I'm hoping that because that is their whole thing that the movie's about, that they will be thoughtful about it. Really no way to tell until we watch we'll it. We'll see, we'll see. So, Bugs Life, we liked it. Join a union. And uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, follow us on Twitter at MovieCulturePod to find out what we're watching next and get all of our hot takes. Hot takes! We'll see you next time for Toy Story 2.